Imagine that you are arriving for a first date. As you step into the quaint, dimly lit cafe, your heart races with anticipation. It's your first date with somebody that you've met online and you're nervously excited. You've been chatting for weeks and the connection feels genuine, but now you're faced with that challenge of recognizing your date in a sea of unfamiliar faces. You check your phone, realizing that you're a few minutes early and you decide to go grab a table and wait for your date. People huddle at cozy tables nearby, sipping coffee and engrossed in conversation, but none of them seem to match the mental image you've built of your potential match. You check your phone, wondering if you're at the right place. No, this is the right one. And then you start to hope that you're not getting stood up. Just when you're about to send that nervous text, there's a sudden commotion at the entrance that catches your attention. You look up, your heart in your throat, and there they are, the person you've been waiting for. You recognize them instantly, not from their photos, but from the warm, welcoming smile that graces their face. You wave them over to your table. They smile and start to make their way over. Oh my gosh, sorry I'm late, I couldn't find this place. No worries, you say. They seem nice, genuine, and you already start to feel that there might be that initial spark. Now you think of, how am I going to get to know this person? But before you even get to ask a question, your date looks you dead in the eye and says, when was the last time that you cried? And what was it about? What do you do? Welcome to Relatable, a Thrive Therapy podcast. My name is Culture Bloxham, and I am joined by my co-hosts, Lauren Mokeri and Kayla Gensler. We are three licensed professional counselors working at a therapy community in Phoenix called Thrive. Relatable is a podcast focused on helping you master relationship to yourself and to others, and we will be covering a variety of topics ranging from dating to friendship to parenting to anxiety to trauma and more. Our topic for today is 10 questions to ask on a first date to actually get to know somebody, you know, beyond what's your favorite color. And if you're listening to this and already in a relationship, then great. These are still great questions for you and your partner to go over. You see, so often we want to get to know somebody better, but we don't know how to ask questions to actually drive intimacy or get us the information we are actually looking for. So let's dive into today's topic. Uh, Lauren, what's going through your mind hearing all of this? Yeah, as I think about how I felt going on my first date with my now husband, um, I remember that sense of just vulnerability and anxiety sitting there like, what do I do with my hands? Where do I look? Do I want to be scrolling through my phone? Wait, no, don't be that person who's like sitting on your phone. So just I think the the vulnerability of even somebody, I consider myself generally to be a very like socially confident person, but just that feeling of there's something that just feels nervous and scary about this. That really resonated, I think, listening to that story. I, th- I think I'm I'm laughing a little bit over here because <clears throat> I'm thinking of the opposite. I'm like, wow, did I ever actually show up as the first person waiting for somebody to come on a date? Or was I always the last person to show up? Um, and I think, you know, that's, it's just funny because there's still all of that anxiety, even when you are the last person to arrive and you're kind of just in this bar, restaurant, wherever you are, and just kind of like searching for this person and um, hoping, you know, that they match the pictures that you've seen and that there's attraction, there's that first spark, right? But that anxiety, 
actually even being the last person to arrive is kind of like what comes in my own body. I'm glad that I had a different experience than both of you because uh, my wife and I actually, my wife now, we showed up for the date pretty much at the exact same time and there was kind of like a little courtyard so we were like walking up to each other. My, the question in my mind was like, do I give you a hug or like do I shake your hand? We had met at a wedding four years prior but hadn't had any contact since then and I think she initiated the hug which like you know like the one-armed hug and so that that felt uh like okay we're off to a good start okay so we are talking about going on a first date and questions that you can ask somebody to get to know them on a first date and Lauren why did we choose this topic So I facilitate a lot of groups here at Thrive, and a topic that I've heard come up time and time again is the anxiety and vulnerability about dating. And it feels really connected to when we're in a season of doing our own therapy work, we're generally trying to improve our boundaries and heal past patterns that have been toxic or unproductive for us. And so trying to find this balance of like, I'm not going to wait till I'm the most self-actualized, perfect version of myself to seek connection. You know, we, we need connection wherever we're at. But then the vulnerability of like, how do I navigate seeking out a new relationship when I'm really trying to seek like a new type of pattern than what I've experienced in the past. And I think you're absolutely right. We have to find somebody before we've reached that self-actualized point. Well, I don't think anyone really ever self-actualizes. So let's just take that off the table to begin with. But I think that dating process, it's kind of part of the refinement of learning how to be you a little bit more. And um, I think I have reached healthier levels since I've gotten in to my marriage, um, even though it's been a really difficult process in getting there. You're making me think about something that I encounter with my clients. You know, I'm commonly, I'm working with couples or individuals who are in this like dating zone and, you know, we work on, okay, how do we heal some of these wounds or things that didn't allow us to do relationships well in the past? Um, And then also trying to figure out, okay, what kind of partner do I need? And therefore, like, what kinds of things do I need to figure out about this person? Um, But then I notice this sort of, like, tendency or hesitation around, like, I don't want to go out there and date until I'm, like, fully cooked, right? Like, I want to make sure I've got all of these old wounds cleaned up and, you know, my side of the fence looks really clean. Um, And I often will challenge that a bit because part of us cleaning up our side of the fence is getting out there and testing things and then realizing like, oh, I'm maybe not showing up in the best way or I don't know how to navigate some of these things that come up in the dating scene um, and bringing those things back to the office I think is so helpful. Yeah, I think something on that point that I challenge clients with a lot is to actually think about you know the intention that we bring into dating when we're in that season. It doesn't always have to be I'm looking for my life partner right now. Sometimes it can be I'm actually looking to see how it feels to practice mm-hmm. boundaries in a new way, mm-hmm. to actually tell somebody, thanks, but no thanks. I'm not feeling a connection here, or that was a great first date, and I'm not feeling it and don't want to have a second date, um, mm-hmm. because that's a really uh, scary practice for people who haven't had a lot of experience setting boundaries in the past. So even that piece of dating, I think, can be really valuable. 
That would be a great thing to tell someone after the first date. Be like, hey, I actually was never interested in a second date. I just wanted to go on a first date with someone and then tell them I didn't want to go on a second date in case I ever end up in this situation. I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. Oh, you learned that in therapy? Oh, great. Yeah. To be fair, I ironically did tell my now husband that before we went on our first date or when we met, we met on a dating app and... He was like, so can I assume that you're looking for a relationship? And I was like, no, you cannot assume that. I'm not necessarily looking for a relationship. I'm just trying to kind of practice talking to people and feeling what it's like to go on dates. I hadn't been in the dating arena in a very long time, if really like ever since I was a teenager. Um, And so it's funny that I had actually set it up that way. And then by the time we did get to our first date, I was like, all right, well, I found my person, so. Unfortunately, you just did something that I don't think you meant to do, which is that you confirmed for men when women say that, that it's kind of a challenge of like, (laughs) no guy listens to that. Like, I'm not really looking for a relationship. They're like, not till you Mm -hmm. met me. Mm -hmm. And you just kind of confirmed it, that you weren't looking for one and he won you over. Yeah, it can happen. And also, I think sometimes it happens because we're, we've finally surrendered to, like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going after this specific mm-hmm. goal. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's a good point to kind of delineate the difference between, like, talk me into it versus I'm, that's not my goal, but I'm also open to if something actually does feel really good and fitting. Yeah, I'm just telling you that guys hear that, like, I'm not really looking for a relationship right now and... Just in one ear, out the other. It's out of de- it's out of denial and desperation. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I almost feel like I mm-hmm. hear that more from female clients, like a guy saying, "Like, oh, I'm not necessarily looking for a relationship," mm-hmm. and like the female thinking, "Like, oh, I will win him over." Yes. So I think that can go both ways for sure. No doubt, yes. and it's and I'm curious about like that surrendering process, right? And like how we maybe get to that place because I do agree with you. I think I <clears throat> entered the dating scene. Um, I was in the dating scene, gosh, for so long. You're years. a veteran. I'm a veteran. <laughs> I'm a veteran. Um, truly, I don't even know. I'm like, I think I found Dustin when I was 31. So prior to that, gosh, I was dating for years. And I remember there is sort of like this gradual um, movement towards this surrender, right? So at first, like that anxiety around like, I have to find this person, like all my friends, you know, have this partner and I'm so envious of this and I really want this relationship. But then eventually moving towards like, well, what actually do I need? What do I want? And then how do I get some peace around like, if it doesn't happen, then, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm still okay, right? I've got myself. And Mm -hmm. when you then enter that phase, you know, that, like they say, right? Then that's when you typically find yep. someone. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, and I think if we really start to organize the things that we want and need and then create intentional questions to ask in on these dates, I think that's what helps us to get to this place of surrender and peace, right? Like if I know mm-hmm. I have... I don't want to say an agenda, but in a way, an agenda, speaking as a true Virgo over here, right? Um, (laughs) An organized way to do dating, then there does bring an element of like peace because I'm doing what I can control and then I'm just allowing the other person to show up authentically as them. Yeah, I really love that because I think it's very centered in our own self when we come in with an organized agenda around what our intentions are and what our values are going into first dates or dating in general. 
Um, because I think the, the other side that I see a lot of people kind of floundering in is like, I just show up on a date, like really hoping the other person will like me. And I'm really trying Mm -hmm. to filter myself according to what they will like. And I don't want to ask a question that seems like too thirsty or too needy or too, you know, too something. Mm -hmm. And so it's very like others oriented versus being Mm -hmm. grounded in the self. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we do have so much more control in the dating scene than we, I think, sometimes think, right? If we are going in with what it is that I need to achieve on this date and what I want to know, then that gives us a little bit more, I guess, calming for that anxiety that we sometimes feel. So let's dive into our questions. We've got 10 questions that you want to ask on a first date. Hopefully everybody did their homework and brought three questions. That, that creates nine questions, and we'll do you know, kind of one bonus question at the end. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, go kind of one by one here. And who wants to kick us off? I'll kick us off because, per usual, I took this homework and probably made it more complex than it needs to be. But I I feel like I always need to preface when I'm offering, like, here's a question I might ask on a first date, that whatever questions we do ask should connect to the intention that we're bringing in. So I might ask a question that's, like, really relevant to where I'm at, and that might not be the same appropriate question that Kayla needs to scope out. So I think these are, as we talk about them, like, 10 questions that we might ask, but I really want to encourage each individual just to think about, like, what are your intentions and what kind of questions are going to help you to get some of the information that um, fits the season that you're in and what you're looking for. So I will say um, for me, I know about myself that my history has been um, somewhat conflict avoidant. And so one of the questions that always felt really important for me to ask on a first date um, to the person I'm sitting with is what kinds of things make you angry and Mm -hmm. how do you respond how do you act when you're angry dang something i want to know from the get-go gosh i'm like sitting here like wow i wish i had that question a long time ago because i'm sure that helps to pull out things that one maybe we want to like be more curious about right why is it that that thing makes you angry you can get values out of that question but two you're also going to get some information around how does this person manage their anger how do they respond when they're angry right it's almost like a multi-layered question yeah and I I really want to know how self-aware are you like Uh if somebody's like oh I don't ever get angry or like sometimes I stub my toe and then I say a prayer I'm like that's bullshit and I not interested in hearing that question i i felt like i was just kind of stunned hearing that question i i would have a difficult time answering that question i would kind of go into my head of like how am i supposed to answer this question Mm -hmm. like am i supposed to say like injustice is what makes me angry or like you know or do i get to something like more petty that maybe i'm a little bit more embarrassed about and i think to your point you know what that question can reveal to us is how self-aware somebody is um not necessarily you know do the things make them angry that make me angry but like does this person have an ability to reflect on that and i i would probably encourage people with that question to not use it as a way to eliminate people if you're like oh i don't like that that makes them angry i mean i I guess unless it was something like really against your values but if they're like i get really angry in traffic and if you're like well that's really childish and petty yeah that's yeah i think that's a good point culture like it's not the purpose of the question it really is to kind of suss out like how self-aware are you how accountable Mm -hmm. are you um we're all human we all have our 
um, our trigger points and our, our raw spots. Um, and I also want to know like, how comfortable are you with guilt based emotions? Because sometimes I feel guilty about the way that I react when I'm angry. Um, but I think accountability is a huge, um, value of mine and you have to be able to tolerate guilt to be accountable and actually own up that like, yep, sometimes these are the things that make me angry. And here's how I typically respond to that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Gosh, you are such a therapist. Um, yep. I, I joke a lot that being on a first date with me, because I was a trauma therapist yep. uh, when I went on my first date with my partner. And so I'm like, that has to be a trip, really. I always was curious, even like, why, <laughs> why would people want to go out with me knowing I was a therapist? Because it is not going to be an easy first date most of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully the rest of you that are listening, it will be a little bit easier for you unless, you know. Uh, on edge yeah people act weird around you when they learn that you're a therapist i just started telling people i sell insurance because no one wants to talk about that (laughs) all right let's get to next question kayla what you got for us okay so for me i like a question that's going to hit a couple different answers as well um so my first date question is what's your five-year plan And so with that question, I'm going to get a lot of different information. Sometimes it feels really vulnerable on a first date to ask somebody, you know, do you want to have kids? Do you want to get married? Mm -hmm. Um, But it's going to allow maybe some of those things naturally to come out from the other person without pointing those questions at them. Um, But it also gives me information around, like, are they thinking about the future? And what does their career look like? What are their other goals? So I like a bang for your buck kind of question. And so what is your five-year plan is my question. So is that kind of a content question as well that someone could get right or wrong that if they say, I, you know, I don't really think about that. I don't know if I really have a five-year plan or are you less interested at that point? For me personally, yes, right? Because I, at at the stage of life that I was in, right? So I'm dating in my early 30, up into my early 30s, right? Um, I'm hoping that somebody is thinking about their future. That's really non-negotiable for me as a value that you are um, driven and motivated. And so I want access to knowing that you've had those thoughts. So for me, personally, that's a red flag. If you've not thought about the next even year, two years of your life, like I'm okay to pivot that question a little bit or edit it and say, I haven't thought about five years, but I've thought about one year. I've thought about two. I think those are still quote right answers for me, but you know, not thinking about it at all would have been a major red flag for me. Yeah. I would say it's the same for me too. Like it's similar to like the self-awareness that I was looking for in my question. There is a, um, to me, it's like a values led action kind of a thing like Mm -hmm. if you're not driving your life based on your values and like intentionality and what you want um that's just not it wouldn't have been compatible with where I was when I was dating Mm -hmm. Kayla I'd be interested to hear you respond to this so what if someone's listening to this and and they maybe feel like they're a more free flow kind of go with the flow person like I don't really want to have a plan maybe I'm going to move to Europe for a year like maybe I'll go work here for a little while 
could somebody have that question kind of in their mind of like, I'm looking for someone that doesn't have a five-year plan that is really more just kind of like me and wants to go on adventures. Mm -hmm. I think that's an excellent perspective. And I would say absolutely. You know, I'm always helping my clients define their non-negotiable needs in relationships. So if your non-negotiable need is something like adventure or spontaneity, I think your music to your ears is going to be, I don't have a five-year plan. I just want to be a free spirit. And if those that hits your non-negotiable needs, then that's the right answer for you. All right. Here's my question. <laughs> I'm nervous. You're not, <laughs> Lauren, I'm looking at you. You're not going to like it. <laughs> I'm ready for it. How do you peel your string cheese? Oh, I do like that question. You do like it? Yeah. I love it. It's like creative and out of left field. I love a good like uh-huh. throw me a curveball question. Man, I was fully prepared to defend that and also just get kicked off of the podcast <laughs> that it's like, this is why we shouldn't have done this with him. <laughs> no, I love it. Tell us why. So... For me, one, this this has come about because my wife uh, does not peel her string cheese. Um, she just, you know, she just eats it. And now our son is starting to mimic that behavior. So I've, you know, I'm trying to teach him how to not do that. But um, for me, it is not a, you know, right answer question where it's like, you know, no, they, they don't peel their string cheese. Like, this is not the person for me. For me, it's, I am looking for somebody who is fun and playful and can hear something like that and kind of laugh and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and go with it. You know, someone that responds to that by being like, ooh, good question. Or, or you know, and, and I would say from my perspective as well, it can be tough on a first date to be 100% yourself or, you know, to understand each other's humor. Um, my wife and I have a really similar sense of humor in that way. We like talking about silly, stupid things like that. But I could definitely see her hearing that question on the first date and mm-hmm. thinking it was really weird. Mm-hmm. And so I would say that's one for me that if, if they don't kind of play with me in the way that I want them to, that's okay. Uh, yeah. But I, if they do play with it, you know, big green flag for me. I love that. Like a question that's, it's not so much about the answer. It's about like, are you able to respond in a playful way with me or not to kind of like, um, really discover how aligned we might be in our sense of humor and play. That's great. Yeah, and I think it's cool because it also gives the other person access to your personality, which I think is really important when we're, especially on a first date, right? So the fact that you would even ask a question like that gives them a little bit of insight into how you are going to show up and how, you know, what you maybe value um, and your personality style. But I have a question for you. Yes. If Katie told you on that date that she bit the string cheese, would you still go on a second date with her? <laughs> Absolutely. I I think again, it's for like how do they how do they play with you? And yeah. so it's if she goes, Oh, I just bite the string cheese, like I'd probably give her a hard time and be like, No, okay, you know, I gotta uh-huh. get out of here. Like you are not <laughs> yeah. the one for me. Next thing you're gonna tell me is you pour your milk in before the cereal and I think my husband it, totally does that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a hard one for me to learn too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and 
I mean, one of the most just kind of like physically attractive features of my wife is her smile. She has this warm, beautiful smile. And so like, I love seeing her smile. I love her laugh. And so I can just kind of picture her, like if I'm giving her a hard time, kind of making fun of her like that, um, she's going to be laughing and, and smiling. And I think for me that like, that makes me more interested in her. So no, I don't care about what way they answer. I think those are also things that as you get deeper into the relationship, like everything is cute at the beginning of the relationship. Yep. It's like, oh, you do this. Like, that's so funny. But then, like, later in the relationship, you're like, why are you eating your string cheese? Like, why are you like this? That is so insane. I cannot believe I married you versus it would have been, like, a fun, cute little thing earlier in your relationship. Yeah, that's a great point. All right, Lauren, what you got for us next? Okay, so my next question is... What have you learned about yourself from previous relationships that you've been in? And how are you wanting to apply what you've learned to future relationships? What are you hoping to gain from asking that question? I think it's another one around level of self-awareness, whether introspection is important. But I think even more so like the accountability piece. I want to know if people look at when I've gotten stuck in past relationships or whatever the reason was that past relationships ended, um, am I able to look at what my own role was in that? And um, instead of only maybe blaming the other people uh, for how they haven't been the right person or they haven't been a good person, can I also look at like, well, here's how I showed up and here's um, what I learned that makes me want to navigate what I choose and how I behave in different ways. Yeah, that pulls it together a little bit more for me. And as I'm thinking about that, I had a previous relationship uh, with a woman and she spoke very negatively about previous relationships. And it always kind of, it was two things. It was like, man, if we ever end, (laughs) you're not going to be nice when you talk about me. Mm -hmm. But two, also like it kind of felt like there was a self-awareness piece there, which isn't a good sign. Like if you're someone's, significant other and you're almost like taking the side of their ex like that isn't really a good sign yeah and I think it also I'm thinking about a question that's sort of similar to that that I like to ask that's surrounding like what has dating been like for you so far and really my whole point with asking that and a similar question that you asked is like how like what has it been like in the scene and how long ago was your last relationship because you know what I've seen most often in my office with my clients is you know somebody's jumping right into dating and maybe they broke up a month ago and we haven't maybe had enough time to heal from that or kind of learn about ourselves you know to the point of your question and so um I think that helps then to figure out like how long ago you know, was the last relationship and what have you done with yourself in the meantime? What have you done to kind of learn about you? Yeah, I think too, just because, you know, in therapy, we're always looking for patterns and we're helping people identify their own patterns. And so if there's not any introspection from our own past experiences, whether it's in dating or relationships, um, then it's like, what are the chances that we're going to break patterns that maybe haven't been helpful? So, you know, I I think about like myself as an example, looking at past relationships where I saw like, oh, I I tend to be really conflict avoidant. And so 
being able to name that and then think about that going into relationships, it kind of goes back to that first question that I asked, like, how do you handle your anger? And I want to know that because of the way that I know I've tended to be conflict avoidant. So kind of bringing some of those pieces together, it doesn't mean that I want to now find a partner who's never going to make me angry or never going to get angry or do conflict. It's just that I want to know what are the things that push me more to that conflict avoidant place? What are the things I want to be practicing more um, as far as assertiveness or voicing my own needs and asking for things that might feel uncomfortable? Kayla, I'm curious, what do you feel like is the um, kind of the book ends for someone in terms of when they were in their last relationship? If they were like, well, I broke up with my last partner eight days ago, mm-hmm. or they're like, I haven't dated anyone mm-hmm. seven years. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what yeah. are you looking for? I think I'm assessing, first of all, how long was that relationship? Because if it was just like a, you know, quick three to six months and it didn't really go too far, I'm less worried if it's been, you know, 30 days of healing and just kind of like taking a little break and kind of getting to know myself again. But if it was like a five-year relationship, a 10-year relationship, and now you're back in the dating scene right away, um, Yeah, I think that makes me feel a little bit hesitant because I want to know that you've had some time to self-reflect, like Lauren's saying, and um, and also grieve. And uh, even if the relationship is like, thank God I'm out of it, right? We need some time to just like grieve and and process so that we're not still in that connection in our brain, right? Um, In grief work, that's something that we look at a lot is like, you know, what does the brain do after loss? And whether it's a physical loss of a human or a loss of a relationship, there's a lot of things that need to happen for the brain to kind of catch up. And if you just jump right back into a new relationship, um, that feels really concerning for me. So usually we're looking at, you know, if it's a long-term relationship, I'm hoping for something like maybe two to three months of just kind of focusing on yourself as a minimum. Um, I don't really worry so much as a, a length, you know, like a five years between relationships. Like a length of yeah, on the other end, yeah. <laughs> um, I, just, I think it's something to be curious about. I'm sure there's a reason for it, but I think um, I don't really have an answer for a concern about how long yeah it, it's funny because I was literally sitting over here like counting on my fingers like how many months did I meet that two to three month criteria that Kayla's <laughs> naming and I think the the caveat that I just always think is important from a flexibility standpoint is that it really is about how much have we been able to introspect and heal and grieve and sometimes we do a lot of that in the tail end of a relationship. So not all the time, but I think I have talked with clients or even in group settings, I've kind of heard this caveat of like, yeah, maybe the last year that I was in a relationship that I was on the way out of, I was doing my own therapy and I was kind of withdrawing from some of the intimacy in that relationship and I was journaling and processing. And so by the time that it actually ended, I really had done a lot of that work. and I, I do still think that, you know, a week would feel like super, super soon to <laughs> jump from one to another one. But it, it is less about like, what's the specific time and have you checked that box and more about, you know, yeah, what's the process been like? Yeah, I like all that. All right, Kayla, you're up for question number five. Okay. So this is not everybody's favorite question, but I like to know what someone's intentions are. 
Um, what stage of dating are you in? What are you trying to accomplish? Are you here just to kind of um, have fun and meet people and hook up? Are you looking for a marriage partner? What are your intentions going into the dating process? That feels like that could that question could end the date really quickly. Yeah. Does that feel scary? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. What do you mean by it could end it? I'm just thinking if someone gave you the answer that you're not looking for, it kind of feels like one of those things that you're like, all right, well, um, thank you for your time. You know, I'm going to move on to some other applicants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's why people don't like to ask that necessarily. And they feel hesitant about it. And, you know, I think that is exactly why we should be asking it. Right. Because we waste a lot of time um, hoping for things in a, in a potential partner um, and fantasizing about what could be and not enough time actually getting the facts of where somebody is um, and ensuring that we're both there for the same reason. Yeah, I, the two thoughts that came up for me is, and I think this would really depend on your intention. I guess the first one is, like, I would always ask that question before a first date. Um, and that's probably based on my intention that I, I was wanting to maybe practice some specific things like boundaries or assertive communication. So it wouldn't have necessarily mattered if I, you know, wasn't sitting across from a future life partner. But I also did know that I was looking for a life partner. And so that was always a question I would have asked to kind of save myself maybe some time of like, I don't want to ask it on the first date if I could know that beforehand. But on the flip side, the other thought I had was, you know, sometimes our intention might not be that I'm looking for a long-term relationship and it might be totally fine to sit across from someone and be like, what's your intention? I'm just having fun. I'm open to making friends. I'm open to just having a great night. And that could line up for both of us and still lead to a really good time. Yeah. I, have worked with a lot of clients who go into dating so much with that idea of, can I see myself marrying this person? And I usually like to work backwards from there that, saying, you know, hey, you marry somebody that you get engaged to and you get engaged to somebody that you fall in love with and you fall in love with someone that you're in a relationship with. You get into a relationship with someone that you've been on a few dates with and you go on a few dates with someone that you've been on a first date with. And so that first date really just has to be that like the, you know, I, I think I kind of always dated with that intention of I'm looking for a life partner. But when I changed my mindset to a bit more of like, I just want to see if I can connect enough with this person to like go on a few dates. Mm -hmm. It got a lot easier, at least for me. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, asking this question or being prepared to ask this question also forces you to assess your own intention, right? Which you should be, um, going into dating with an intention, even if that intention is exactly what, just, what you just said, Coulter, which is just like, hey, I'm here to have a good time and meet people and figure it out and then and hope that it goes somewhere beyond that. But I don't feel pressure for that. Right. And I think that's also what my MO was, you know, and um, it, it was always, I think, an interesting experience to ask people that question because there would be a lot of like almost immediate defensiveness, um, which feels like a yellow flag to me. Um, not a red flag, right? Not a, immediately I'm like, okay, where's the check? But a yellow flag, meaning we need to ask some more questions. Like, hey, like, what is this about? You know, what's it like to, for me to even ask this question? Which, um, you know, I think just sparks some more conversation. I forgot that we can use yellow flag. I just <laughs> think it through everything of, is that a green flag or red flag? So, yeah. It's not a binary. Flag. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. I am colorblind. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. That's true about pleasure. <laughs> that, that is a real thing. <laughs> But you probably, you can see yellow, right? 
It's complicated. Okay. <laughs> My next question, I guess I didn't phrase it as a question. It's more of a, a request, kind of like an open-ended one, which is just tell me about your relationship with your family. Yeah, I was just I was just thinking, I was like, okay, that's like very similar to my other question as well. Um, But I do think that it's a really important question because family for a lot of people can be such an integral part of your life, of your commitments, your loyalties, your traditions. Um, And so I do think depending on maybe one's own relationship with their family, like that is an interesting thing to learn right away is, are you close to your family? If not, why not? Like that's going to teach me some things about how you manage your own boundaries. And it's not really a looking for like somebody needs to be super close to their family or not. But I think for me, I'm just curious about what is the relationship? Like, how do you feel about the relationship being that way? And you know, how did you, arrive at that place. I think it also allows for a little bit of vulnerability, which we want to be able to test out on a first date. We want to be able to see like what's the level that somebody's willing to go to. So if there's like a lot of exposure around all the demons and skeletons in the family, that might feel like a little bit of like a yellow or red flag to have that level of vulnerability right away. Um, If there's like an unwillingness to share, I think that also gives us some information. So I think it's a really good test for um, what level somebody's willing to go as far as sharing about their family. Yeah, I think we're all three on the same page with that, that it's not really as much about a right answer to that of, you know, are you close with your family? Um, it, I think of the self-awareness piece as well of just like, how aware are you of your story? Um, yeah. And someone might answer that question with like, I'm estranged from my parents or, you know, or just family looks different to me than the people that I might be blood related to. And I'm, I'm just really looking for, do you have a good awareness of your story. And that I think a lot of times people are looking for someone that views family kind of the same way they do. Um, And I think that's something for us to be aware of when asking a question like that, like, am I just looking for someone who just has the same type of relationship with their family that I do? And then that makes that nice and easy. Or, you know, am I open to somebody that has a different type of relationship with their family. Yeah, I think the other thing that came up in my mind as as both of you were just talking is like the level of vulnerability that we might feel or go to in answering that question, I think is also important for us to think about on the end of if somebody does ask us a question that could hit an unforeseen trigger. You know, maybe I just had one of my immediate family members pass away. And that's still a really raw thing for me to talk about. Um, Or maybe I am estranged from my family or I'm recently practicing new boundaries with my family and it might still be really raw. And so I think it is important to be thinking intentionally about how can I have some kind of more surface level answers prepared um, to know that I don't have to go all in on a first date and share all of the vulnerable details about something, but I also don't have to feel um, threatened, like people can't ask me some of those questions. So I think that's something I hear clients talk a lot about too, is, you know, maybe I'm being asked about my job and I haven't been working for a while, or maybe I'm being asked about, you know, my social life and it's not where I want it to be. And so I think thinking through how can I give some surface level answers that are like first date appropriate, um, 
without necessarily getting pulled into a really big trigger that I'm not prepared to talk about. Yeah, I think that's always so important to remember that sometimes people ask questions that they think are simple questions, but might have really complicated answers. And I think that would be a question that's important to have some grace for that if someone gives kind of a short answer, you know, I said, like, I'm looking for someone that has a high level of awareness of their story. And, and maybe they do, but maybe they're just not really willing to share that with me. Mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm. Which also then gives evidence of boundaries, right? I can have a boundary with myself and I don't have to overshare this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the way people set boundaries communicates a lot too, that if, mm-hmm. you know, I, I get like a hand in my face, like, please don't ask me that. Right. Or just a, mm-hmm. oh, you know, that's kind of a tricky one for me. And mm-hmm. they're able to move on a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. Lauren, we're on to our final round before we get to bonus question. Yeah. So my question, it's actually, I think, very parallel to the one you just asked. I want to know from people about your social life. Tell me about your friends. Tell me about how much you prioritize time with friends or social activities? Um, Do you prefer to be more introverted and need time to recharge and maybe just have like a small close group of friends? Do you feel more extroverted and really like meeting new people? Um, There's a lot of different angles, I guess, to that question. That's a super important one for me as well. And I think in that, like, I would be kind of looking for someone that sees friendship similar to how I do. Like I like having a lot of friends or like having a lot of people over. And if someone just wanted a really tight knit circle, they would probably feel not like a great match for me. Mm. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because I think about like my partner and I are, we're different in that way that like he has a very tight knit circle. And I think I even remember when I had asked him that question, he was kind of like, I'm maxed out. Like I don't want any more friends. I don't have space for any more friends. However, he is very personable and he's very friendly and comfortable being around new people and being around my friends. And so I think he kind of answered with that like asterisk of like, I do feel like I have a smaller bandwidth for like my own intimate friendships. Um, but I also am happy to still meet new people and entertain people. It just is probably not going to be likely that I form new, like, best friendships. Yeah, and I think, again, it's, like, going into that piece of, like, what do I value here? And, um, you know, I'm thinking about Dustin and I, and, again, just like you, Lauren, we're very different socially, and we have – I have lots and lots of friends, and he has, like, a group of very close friends, a small group. um, But that actually works for us because then I can kind of drag him to all my social engagements, and um, he doesn't have all these conflicting social things. I think if we were both very social, it might be harder for me to get my needs met within my friend group. Um, So it actually kind of benefits me that his is a little bit smaller um, (laughs) because I I get my way, and I love to get my way. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) You know, if there were any therapists here, they could really dig into that one. (laughs) So my question is around routine and availability. Um, I want to know what somebody's weekly routine typically looks like, um, which then lets me know how much time do they actually have for a relationship. Um, are they somebody that's doing a lot of functions um, outside of work? Do they have a lot of responsibilities? Um, it kind of it gives a lot of information about, like I said, availability and how much time they have for this, but also um, what are some things that 
they value and are interested in outside of social, outside of work. Um, and so, yeah, I want to know, am I going to be able to see you again? <laughs> and when's that going to be? <laughs> yeah, I love that question so much because, uh, again, like many of these, it hits on so many different things. And it's it's a theme that I do hear come up a lot in sessions is kind of incompatibility around how much time we have to spend together. Um And so I think being on the lookout for that from a first date, that it's not necessarily about am I a priority to you and if I'm a priority, any person would make the same amount of time for that. It's can I be paying attention going in to even if I am really important to somebody, but they have, you know, 16 other things that are just non-negotiables in their life and there's going to be 7% of their time left over for me that might not be compatible with how much time I really crave and desire in a romantic relationship. I would also find that hard to reconcile. I remember, I remember, uh, what should I say? Attempting to date people who (laughs) had just busier lives. And like, I really don't have much time to devote to a relationship. And that just, I just kind of made, never made sense for me. Well, it's just not the phase of life for that. You know, we have different phases of life where certain things take our priority. And, you know, if, if you're in different phases of life um, or you can't manage your responsibilities well, then maybe this is not the season to be investing in a relationship. Maybe it's the season for having some fun and meeting people, which, again, kind of goes back to that intention question. I want to know about your own awareness, about your capacity. Well, I think we're also maybe missing something a little bit too that I just kind of thought of as like, we're all thinking of this, or I don't know if you all are thinking of this, but I'm thinking of this from like a, you know, career standpoint or something like how much time are you doing X, Y, or Z? But you know, what if somebody's in the dating scene, they have kids and they're like, I have kids and that's just something I need to spend a lot of time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I actually was thinking of it from kind of how Kayla was saying, maybe a season of life, like in different seasons, there are so many different things that can pull at our time and energy. So whether that's kids, whether it's elderly parents that we're caring for, whether it's education, um, I think of so many of my friends who have gone through like med school rotations, residency, um, things that are just really big time sucks in our life. And so I think we do need to be able to look at, is this season I'm in, is it just a season? And like Kayla said, maybe it's not the season that I have a lot to give to dating, or maybe I'm communicating right up front. It's going to look like this for X amount of time. And then here's my intention of how I plan to shift that. Um, But I think on the other end too, that there really is different um, compatibility for couples or there's different amounts of time that we want together. I can think of like two people who maybe both have so much going on that they really enjoy and really value. And they're both not looking for somebody who wants a ton of time, um, relationally together. So I don't think it's like a right or wrong thing of you only should look for somebody who has tons of time for the relationship. We want to look for like, what's going to kind of balance out the amount of time that you want and are able to give. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think to your point, Coulter, about kids, like if I'm somebody with kids who's dating, I also maybe want to ensure that that other person has a lot of things going on or and or has kids, too, so that we have the same amount of time to give, you know, to um, to this venture. Yeah, that they're not just sitting by their phone waiting, waiting for, for you. Me. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Time. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. OK, my question is. What would you be doing if you were not on this date right now? Yeah, I think it's 
It's a great question because in some ways it hits on what Kayla was just talking about. Um, but in other ways, the fact that it's so pointed at like at this time right now, what would you be doing? Um, you know, maybe after work or on a Saturday or whenever it is. So it gives some insight into what do you like to do for rest? What do you like to do for fun? When you have extra bandwidth in your schedule, are you more likely to go out and do something um, social and energetic or are you more likely to stay in and do something restful? I think it also depends what day of the week it is, right? So if it's a Tuesday night and you're giving me a response that says you're out in the club, um, you know, for me personally, I'm going to be interested in knowing more about that, right? So I think depending on what night of the week it is, that gives you some context too about how that person, you know, spends their time. I appreciate your willingness to approach that sort of answer with curiosity. And I'm curious as to what answer someone would give you that you would say, oh, that makes sense. On a Tuesday night? <laughs> yeah, they're in the club. <laughs> oh. I think you're making an attempt to be open-minded, but I don't know if there's a lot of answers well, not someone for me, could give. But maybe for somebody else, right? I mean, certainly not for me. That would not jive with what my Tuesday nights look like these days. I'm in bed by 9 p.m. if, if I'm lucky, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do think that question speaks a little bit more to what is somebody doing with their free time? Like, you know, if they're not on, on the date, like the date is something that they have made free time for and something fun that they're going to do and so what what would you be doing for fun instead Mm -hmm. yeah I think about when I first started dating my partner I I do really love to fill my time and I have a lot of flexibility and like the things that I can do more or less of and I can shift that from season to season but I do a lot of different things so therapeutically I do a lot of different things I'm also a violinist I perform I teach Um, I play with a variety of different groups and then I have, you know, social groups that I'm part of. And I remember when we were trying to plan dates, I kept telling him like, oh, I'm teaching a lesson at this time. And it was maybe like a couple dates that went by and he finally was like, when you say you're teaching a lesson, what are you talking about? And it made me laugh because I was like, oh my gosh, that of course, like everybody else in my life knows that I'm talking about violin, but what a weird thing that I'm just like saying that to somebody who doesn't have the context. So I think that that's a piece too is like how much flexibility is there in the things that you might be doing are they things that are going to be really rigid or is it also like i could move this around if i want to do something else with this time we're on to the bonus question and lauren i know you're chomping at the bit to give us one (laughs) um yeah i'm always the one with extra questions that i want to throw out so i actually felt like it would be important for the bonus question to speak to the lgbtq community um because just transparently coulter and kayla and i are not in that community ourselves and so i was talking with one of my very best friends recently um who has currently been in the dating scene and I was kind of asking him like what are some of the questions that are important to you and he said I do think it's a really important question for me to ask people I'm on a date with when did you come out to your family or your closest group of people and what was that experience like for you um and I I immediately you know when he brought up that question because I I know that he came out a little bit later in life and I immediately was like, Oh, was that like a really uncomfortable question for you before you were out to your family? Um, and he said, yes, absolutely. It was. And also 
it's just a really important piece of how that's going to impact the way that you can show up in your relationships and the things that you might feel more or less vigilance about, more or less fear about, more or less openness to. Um, So I just thought that that was a really powerful question to name along with some of these others. Well, and once again, it's one of those questions that gives so much context in so many areas, right? So it gives us um, information about the family, about um, what my story has been like, what Coulter said earlier, right? Like, what is, how has this shaped me? And, um, you know, what are we both walking into with the differences here? And um, I think that it just opens up a lot of dialogue and discussion around, um, even if it's a difference, right? I imagine, like, again, I can't say for myself, but I imagine um, with somebody that was out very young versus somebody who's come out recently, I mean, that's just so mm-hmm. many different stories to tell and experiences to share. Oh, yeah. And even, like, how has that affected your dating life? How has that affected previous relationships? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and going off of that point, I, I think that can kind of also be a decision for some people that if someone's really early in that process, there can be kind of this question of like, do I want to go on this journey Mm. with this person? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or if they haven't gone on the journey at all, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. what does that mean for me then? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and LGBTQ or not, we're always making decisions on if we want to go on X, Y, or Z journey with someone because you're going to get an unpolished person and there's going to be things that they need to work out. And so there's this question of like, am I, am I up for that journey with them? Yeah, I think that's a good point, Coulter. I, I think about that. Um, my, my partner and I had both been previously divorced before we met and started dating. And I think that was a really similar theme in, in dating for both of us was like, how is it to talk about that? And how did people in your life respond to that when it happened? And, Um, what have you learned about relationships going through that? And so I think there are different things that just, it brings a different kind of vulnerability versus being like, I'm brand new to the dating field and ready to go. Or I've had some, you know, short-term relationships and I'm ready for a long-term one. Like there's just some different complexities that are going to bring risk and, you know, decisions around, yeah, do I want to be on this particular journey right now? Yeah, dating a therapist. <laughs> if I want to be on that journey, you know, I think it's. I was thinking about um, one of the things that I always was checking out is like, what are people's belief in therapy, and have they been themselves? And um, you know, Dustin bravely went on a date with a therapist and had never been in a therapy room, and so you know, that was a journey I had to decide to take and in a risk for me because you know, there's obviously a lot of value that I put in my profession, and so. Um, you know, I think that's like, there's all kinds of things that we're going to have to decide to overcome. And, you know, we all have our own stories. He must have really liked you right off the bat because knowing Dustin now, I'm just thinking of him learning <laughs> that he's on a first date with a therapist and him just crawling in his skin, like must get out of here. So he must have, he must have really liked you. Yeah. That's a good sign. Yeah. I was, I was a lot of fun. So <laughs> you are fun. He likes yeah. fun. <laughs> So those are our 10 questions. Kayla, do you suggest writing these down or putting them on your phone? What would you do with this? Yeah, I always had my list of what I wanted to know available for me and, um, you know, would make sure I read it before I came on the date. And, um, and I think it just really helps with having something available to you, whether you just like can check your phone really quick or run to the bathroom. And um, if things are getting a little bit like, 
quiet, it just, I think it reassures that like, oh, I've got a couple more things up my sleeve that I can, I can ask of this person. Yeah, I, I think it probably depends on the person too. I mean, I know about myself, I can hold a lot in my brain. So I'm like, I probably wouldn't for myself feel like I need to check a list. Um, I might before the date or I might have made some mental notes about conversations we've had leading up to the date of like, oh, here are some things I'm still curious to check out. Um, But I think the other thing I want to say, just thinking about the idea of maybe bringing a list of questions into a first date is just to remind people to also pay attention to the other side of the conversation of what kinds of questions am I being asked? How do I feel in response to the questions that I'm being asked? Um, There was... I think like a funny TikTok video that went around a while back where there was a girl who was like, you know, I was telling my therapist about all these like great dates that I had been on and things were just feeling like so entertaining and funny. And like we were having these great conversations and my therapist asked me like, can you just pay attention to who asked the questions like or who started the topics like around all of those things that feel really good? And she was like, every single one of them was me. It's, you know, of course I'm having a great time because I'm asking all the questions I like. And sometimes on the other side, it can feel really good to have someone show a lot of interest in you. And so it can feel like a really good conversation. So that's where we need to be paying attention. Can I let there be some uncomfortable space to see, can the other person match this? Can the other person ask me and be curious with me as well? Or am I just driving this whole... I just remembered something that I had totally forgotten is before I was a therapist, I did go on a date with someone who was a therapist. Well, she was in grad school to become a therapist. And I remember that date and remember being asked a lot of questions and I felt like I learned nothing about her. It just didn't really, it felt like it was kind of like an interview or something. And so that's a good point to, you know, keep some level of awareness of, am I just asking everything? Am I just interviewing this person? Yeah. So maybe you pick your favorite three and you bring those and then you leave space for the other person to ask you some questions as well. Yeah. Which everyone will pick the string cheese question, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. All right. Well, that's all for us today. Um, join us next week, and we're going to be talking about boundaries. Is that right, Lauren? Yeah. Boundaries. What's uh, what's like rigid and protective versus what are some actual like healthy, flexible boundaries? How can we tell the difference? Cool.